This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Welcome to the Craft and Character Podcast. Steve Carter here in, in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, Food for the Hungry and Hope International University. I bring you a podcast to help you get better at the craft of preaching in hopes that your character will always lead the way. Well, like I said in the last episode, Mother's Day is quickly coming upon us. I hope you got your message. I hope you got your ideas of how you will honor the women the moms, the grandmas, um, the aunts in your congregation. You got to go to preaching today. They've got some incredible articles that will really help you be able to honor moms well. And also, um, many of you are trying to think about ways to engage with the globe, with the world. Our, our world obviously is so beautiful, but man, it is, it is fractured. It is broken. And I love being able to partner with great organizations like Food for the Hungry, who is doing incredible, incredible work all around the globe. Go to fh.org to learn more. But today I'm excited because you are about to learn from my friend, Pastor James Forsyth. He is the senior pastor at Cedar Springs Presbyterian Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. He grew up in Edinburgh, Scotland, which means he has an incredible accent. And he graduated from the University of Edinburgh um, before moving to the U.S. for grad school. And I'll tell you what, I, I listen to this guy regularly. I, I think the world of him, um, he is a deep, deep, deep thinker. Uh, this guy loves Jesus, has an incredible accent. And just when he preaches, um, something happens, something happens. And, and he's one of those voices that I can't wait to introduce you to, because I know you will begin just even after hearing this little clip, begin to start to listen to his messages. Cause he's got this, um, this ability, uh, like, like, Pastor Tim Keller did just to, to, to point you to the power of the cross and the beauty and glory of Jesus. So without further ado, here's a little clip of Pastor James in a message that he gave on Christ going and being on trial from the book of Mark. Listen, and then we'll dive right into the episode. Now, Jesus says, I am him. I am the son of man. Do you see how the high priest is getting way more than he bargained for? The high priest had just asked if he was the Christ. Jesus says, I am, and more than that, I'm the son of man. You think you're the judge? I'm the judge. You think I stand here on trial before you one day? <laughs> Every knee will bow, and you will all stand trial before me. Before me. And this claim... Follow the logic of the text. This claim that he's got himself explains the next verse where the high priest goes completely berserk, right? The high priest just loses his mind, tore his garments and said, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. Why is it blasphemy? Well, he's, he's saying that he's God. <laughs> what is your decision? He says to the council and they all condemned him as deserving death. And then some began to spit on him and to cover his face 
and to strike him, saying, prophesy. And the guards received him. How did they welcome him? With blows. Doesn't that last verse do something in your heart? You think about this beautiful savior who in his time on earth has, has done what? Healed the sick, ministered to the poor, brought freedom to the oppressed. And how is this beautiful Jesus treated? They spit on him and they cover his face and they strike him and they say to him, prophesy. And the guards receive him with, with blows. Injustice gives way to just gratuitous violence, how Jesus suffered. When I read this verse this week, I found myself thinking about the footage of Tyree Nichols. Injustice has existed from Jesus' time until today. And it should break our hearts and it should make us angry. And it should also give a little bit of comfort to the oppressed because Jesus knows what this is like. Jesus stands in solidarity with everyone who's ever been beaten. Jesus stands in solidarity with everyone who has ever been afflicted or ever been oppressed. Isaiah 53 told us he was oppressed and afflicted. Jesus gets it. But back to the larger picture. You see what's happening in his interaction with the high priest? Isn't it beautiful? Remember that throughout his ministry, we've seen this curious detail that he uh, keeps his full identity hidden. And so we've come across some strange passages where he'll heal someone then and then he'll warn them strictly not to say anything about this. And it's like Jesus is sort of keeping the full story of who he is under, under wraps. Why? Because he has a plan and he has a timeline that's ultimately going to take him to the cross. And now before the high priest, his hour has come. And so while they can't come up with a crime, he provides a charge for them. Well, we just had the privilege to hear from Pastor James, and I'm excited because um, you're, you're all in for a treat. You're just in for a treat. Uh, this is one of the deepest guys I know. Uh, he's got a killer accent, um, but what I what I want you to see is how someone has such a profoundly deep theology and yet how it is wildly accessible. And so, uh, Pastor James, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, you, you, uh, you just taught this message, Christ's Light, in the Mark series. Give us a little, little background of what you were trying to accomplish with this teach. Good to be here. Good to be, good to be with you. I've listened to uh, so many of these podcasts and have been really helped in my own preaching just by your heart and sharing the experience of other guys. And it's been great too, just to then go and listen to some of their preaching and, and be helped. So really glad just to jump on with you today. Uh, we have been working our way as a church through the gospel of Mark and just taken sort of, uh, I guess it'll be 22 weeks in total. So a chunk of time, I'm certainly not dealing with every passage, but taking a chunk of time to kind of work through that, that gospel over the course of the, the ministry year, and we are, we've arrived at that point uh, where Christ is brought on trial um, and you know sentenced to death, and that will take him to the cross. And so, as I was getting ready for this, you know, sermon and getting ready to to, to preach on this, I was just really wanting to 
kind of get my arms around the, the sort of two realities of um, the two realities that take Jesus to the cross, namely our sin, but also God's love for us. Okay. Because our sin itself doesn't take him to the cross. Okay. God could have, you know, God could not have, have paid, you know, poured that on him. Um, and likewise, his God's love, you know, wouldn't take Jesus to the cross by itself. It, it required that, that, you know, if it were not for our sin, God's love wouldn't have needed to go to, to the cross. And so trying to get my arms around these two theological ideas that are in the text that we, we, we see the cross as the result of both human evil, but also God's love. And you have to hold those two things in tension if you're to understand really the, the challenge, but also the beauty of what the cross is, is all about. So seeing that as the lens through which to approach this, this passage, you know, human responsibility, God's sovereignty, our sin, his love, how do those things come together to, to save the world? Well, and this is, this is what you do masterfully. And I, I, I listen to, I'd say, you know, three of your teaches a month. I just, I, I, you are someone I regularly listen to and I'm, I often come away from your talks going, how did he take such a complex systematic theology and yet bring it into the front of the congregation in a way where I, I know the next generation is really near and dear to your heart, but like a sixth grader, seventh grader can like recognize that human responsibility and God's sovereignty that, uh, what we did, our sin and God's love. Like you, you do this just masterfully. It's like weekend and week out. You just do this in a way that, um, holds that tension well. And I'm, and, and it's not just for the next generation. You, you've got people in your congregation, you know, you know, twice your age who love the word of God. And so somehow I'm just, you have this ability to speak to different generations, but to hold the complexity and the accessibility of theology. How do you do that? Because even just the way that you rattle that off, like human responsibility, God's sovereignty, our sin, his love, like, you just, it's, it's like a, it's just, it's tweetable. It's memorable. It's inviting. Is there a process that you go through to mine that and make it accessible? First of all, thank you for the encouragement. So it's encouraging is to hear that the Lord's using his, his word. And I'm, I'm grateful for you saying that. Um, yeah, there's definitely, um, process and it's probably there's layers to it and i'm uh, and um i can maybe think think out loud with you on on how i approach that um i think if if i could go all the way up to thirty thousand feet to start with for me it begins with um what i understand preaching to be okay and my sort of core verse for what i'm trying to do when i preach comes from luke 24 do you remember um jesus on, on the road to emmaus with the disciples. Yeah. And uh, it's this strange interaction because it's after the resurrection, but they don't know that it's Jesus. And there's this kind of conversation that goes back and forth. And there's this beautiful line where it says that beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus opened up the scriptures concerning himself, you know, showed them how he, he's the point of all. How good's that? And then he leaves them and the, the two disciples are talking and they say to each other, did not our hearts 
burn within us while they talk to us on the road, while they open to us the scriptures. Mm. And that verse for me has become like the controlling verse for how I think about preaching and what I'm trying to do when I preach, which is have my own heart, but then my people's hearts burn within them as we open up the scriptures. Wow. So it is about an experience, okay, that, that we are aiming to have an experience um, in, in the moment of, of, of teaching and, and delivery, but it's an experience that comes from the word. So it's not like an emotion, it's not emotionalism for like emotionalism's sake, rather it's the proper heart soul response to the truth that's in the scriptures. And, and at least in this verse, that seems to be Jesus's model, right? As he talks about the truth, that's what makes their hearts burn within them. And so for me, kind of just the way I think about this, that the, the truth of the world and the depth of our theology is the dynamite that will explode life change and have our hearts burn. And if you really want to have a kind of lasting impact and, and, and have like long-term fruit, then the response that you seek to kind of draw out from your people has to be based off that word and an explosion of that truth, you know? And on one hand, that's, it's sort of, there's, there's nothing as innovative, that innovative there. I'm saying, yeah, we try preach the Bible. Okay. But as a preacher, I think, I know I feel the temptation and I'm sure lots of us feel the temptation. We're like, we're looking for a hook. We're looking for an illustration. We're looking for a story that's going to yep. work. We're yeah, looking yeah. for something like, Lord, help me. Just, you know, and it's, it's good and it's well-intentioned. There's nothing, nothing wrong with it, but it can almost become, you see how you can almost start to prioritize a response over yes. the substance. And so we just understand, right, that as, as, as you know, teachers of Jesus, we, we build off the scriptures and seek to get a response from, from Bill. So even that 30,000 feet, how I'm thinking about what this preaching moment is driven by substance, right? Yeah, we want yeah. to take the substance and unpack it in people's lives. This is really helpful because I think, you know, it, it, sticking with Luke, and I know you taught from Mark uh, what we listened to, but sticking with Luke for a second, you know, you, you have that story where, um, you know, he's – eating and he's got the table fellowship and, and the Pharisees are wondering why he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And, and then they, they like, right after that, they're like, Hey, like your disciples don't fast like John's and others do. What's that about? You know? And then he tells these, he tells these like bizarro uh, parables. And, and, and one of them, you know, he talks about the old wine skins, new wine skins. And, and Jesus says the old is better. And, I think oftentimes, like for the longest time, I, you know, Jesus is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. It's like kind of like what we often like we'll, we'll talk about. But, but in that text, um, it's as if Jesus is saying like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm like the fulfillment of the old wine. Like the old is better. And even to your point of Luke in 24 in that road to Emmaus, it's like, I think this is what, what you do so well is you help people see how Jesus is this fulfillment. But but even deeper than that, it's like the human side of, oh, I I didn't know I was in like the presence of Jesus. Like those those two disciples, like they they just didn't even know. And then like they're like awakened to that reality. 
that substance piece, when someone has a robust theology and is looking for that to like burn the hearts of their people, there is a moment, and I've had this happen like multiple times listening to your talks, where I didn't see Jesus like that before. And all like I can relate to that Luke 24 spot. And then once I see, oh my goodness, like it, my my heart expands, my my mind expands, my my discipleship expands. So I just think that's a, a because I'm seeing it in the the context of the whole grander story that God has given to us in the text. And so you're just a master at that. But like I I love I've never heard you talk about Luke 24 in that way. And that that is I can see how that verse really does drive. Um, your weekend message and your prep. So, and how that starts to frame quite practically what I'm trying to do when I sit down, right? Because yeah. when I sit down, the first thing I'm doing is trying to open up the scriptures. I'm trying to understand what is this passage about? Yes. What is going on here? What's what is the point of this? What you know? What 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 is the substance in this particular text that that we we want to bring to our people and and not shortchanging that study, right? Because as I said, there's this tendency, I feel it in my heart, to want to get to the application, to get to the takeaway, get to the illustration, the story, the moment, right? And and all those things matter, right? And you need to get to them. <laughs> yeah. But you just can't start with them, right? You got to do the the deep digging in, in the text. And so, I mean, to try and make this as practical as possible for, for people who are listening, um, you know, each year I'll have planned out the sermon schedule for the year. And in the summer, I'll do some deeper reading on the, on the scriptures that will be covering that year. So when I have some time out of the pulpit, I'll be doing some of that deeper reading on that kind of like the nerdy theological stuff that it's just hard to do week by week, you know? So for the gospel of Mark, I was reading some Herman Ritter boss. He's a Dutch dude who's written helpful stuff in the Gospels, um, did some, you know, digging around anti rights teaching on Mark and just sort of stuff that I'm not going to do week by week, but just gives me a theological framework to think about the pa- these patches on a week by week basis. Okay. So I've seen, I've seen this grid before you showed me this. So bring me back, like what month are you dreaming, uh, and when you say new year, are you talking fall is when you're going to kick off? Is that the new year or is it actually the calendar new year? Well, I'm thinking ministry year, ministry. which for us, it kind of school goes back in August. Okay. And so August through the end of May is really the ministry year. And I um, preach uh, probably like I, I preach about 70 percent of our Sundays. Um, but I take most of the summer off. Um, so that means to preach about 70% of our Sundays, I preach most weeks in the ministry. Year, yeah. Right? So I take a big chunk of time out of the pulpit in, in the summer. And I'm so conscious of like what a privilege and gift it is to do that. You know, solo pastors, man, they're like, I want to mow their yards in the kingdom. You know, like the guys who just... How many, they preached 50 times this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just those guys blow my mind. Right. So, so much respect for, yeah, the men and women who are doing that. Um, for me, I'm fortunate to be able to take a chunk of time in the summer. 
and that's when I'll schedule out the preaching year. And so we'll have a text and a title for every week in the year. And then building of that, I'll do this sort of deeper level work that almost like, <laughs> almost take yourself back to seminary, you know, take yourself back to some of that stuff that you haven't thought about in 10 years. And most of it, you don't really need to think about all that much, but there is a depth of study that is, brings a richness to, to our teaching when we're able to understand some of the, the deeper things that are going on in, in, the, in the text. And, and honestly, for me, week by week, in the press of sermon prep, I, it's just not time to do that. Yes. You know, like I, I need to front load that deep work. Um, and it kind of gives me like the lenses, if you like, to then approach the week by week. Prep. Yeah. You know, that's so good. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so like, I mean, when I was doing student ministry, I, that's what I did. I just took July off and I, I planned out the whole year and, and it was amazing. Um, you, so let's say you do all this work, you, you read the, all of these commentaries and, and I've seen your grid and you've got Google docs for each one, you know, teach, you just dumping your sermon notes and, and study notes and prep all in that. When do you come back to it? So if you do all this in July and, and you're teaching, you know, for February, you know, uh, 19th, when do you come back to it to go, oh yeah, what was I thinking July of 2022? You know, like how, 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 how do you, how do you keep that in your body? Uh, so fun. So I'm laughing because, um, I am a big week off preparer. Okay. okay? Now I have wanted, I kind of want to not be that guy, Right. There's a few things in my life that I like. Like, I want to eat my steak rare, but I actually prefer it medium rare. Do you know what I'm saying? But I want to be the guy who eats a steak rare. And I want to drink my coffee black, but I actually prefer it with creamer. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I want to be the guy who's like, oh, yeah, I have the next four weeks prepared, you know? Um, but as much as I want to be that guy, I also kind of hate that guy. Um, <laughs> for being, like, just so freaking on it. Um, and I've actually come to peace with it for me because there's a freshness and energy and attention and a creativity about the week off prep that I actually really enjoy. So I take Mondays off like it's my job. And then on a, on a Tuesday, I'll try spend an hour of my Tuesday getting like reading the text, getting it in my heart, looking over the notes that I've taken, right? And it's funny because like sometimes those notes, I'm like, that's a great nugget. I could use that this week. <laughs> and then other times I'm like, what was I thinking? Like this is, this is completely useless, right? But you know, I'll, I'll revisit it the Tuesday, the week off. Yep. Yeah. And so, so it's funny. It's like, you can't stand the person who's so far out. And then people who are listening going, oh, you take Mondays off after and then you just read for an hour on Tuesday yeah. and then, and then like Wednesday, you're like, you're like, you have like basically 72 hours and you're in, you know, like, yeah, we, we don't like you. So, <laughs> it's like amazing how, so I, I'm curious of this, like say, say you, say you have good notes. All right. Say like in this teach that you just did Christ light, you've got good notes. You still have to now make it accessible. You still have to fight for um, clarity in a world where most preachers are just trying to be clever. Um, and you do this regularly. Um, 
that's what I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, are you in front of a whiteboard? Are you, are you at the gym and you're like processing it through? I mean, you just rattle off very simply human's responsibility, God's sovereignty, our sin, his love. Like that, that either is like, that just comes so naturally. And I want to end the podcast right now and just be bitter or it, it it's, there's a level of discipline and work. And I, I'm just curious because week in and week out, I feel like, again, you, you do this, help, help us understand how you do that. From a sort of descriptive side, that the, the hour ish that I do on a Tuesday is really important to me and important to my process. Because what I do in that time is I say, read the script, read the text, review any notes I've made and do a kind of quick gleaning of the commentaries for the particular passage, right? And then I get so then I get on with my life, and I don't consciously work on it, but I'm always subconsciously right. working on it. Yep. Right. I'm just sort of like when I'm at the gym, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving home, I'm just like chewing on it, and and the whatever themes have come out of the text. Um, are just turning over in my heart to, to use to serve, you know, case study of this last sermon on Christ's trial. The thing that jumped out to me on this text, which is, you know, I was preaching on the narrative of it in, in Mark. Um, but the, the, the thing that jumped out to me was actually Peter's commentary in his sermon uh, on the day of Pentecost, where, um, you know, he's, he's preaching this great, great sermon and, and, and so has this conclusion about how Jesus was delivered over according to the plan and foreknowledge of God. And then you crucified him. Right. And, and you see how the, like Jesus's commentary uh, to Peter's comment, it's almost like that's his commentary on trial. Yes. Right? He was delivered over by, by God's foreknowledge and his plan, but then also crucified by the hands of sinful men. And so that verse became the lens through which I was thinking about Jesus's trial, right? And that all happened on Tuesday, right? <laughs> That's very practically doing the reading, doing the thinking, that verse becomes the lens that I'm now thinking about that passage. And so as I'm chewing on it, as I go, those two ideas sort of just start to distill that, okay, the things I want to draw out of this are those two concepts, right? Um, and that side of, of, you know, understanding how you want to approach something, I think in some ways that's the, the art of preaching that it's quite hard to teach people to do, yeah. right? In terms of like, how, how do you go from, from nothing to an, to an outline in your head and your heart, you know? Because yeah. for me, there's initial study, but then it's just reflection and these things kind of bubble to the top, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, again, concretely, that, Peter's commentary bubbled to the top. And I thought, yeah, I want to, I want to draw from this. I, I want to almost make like Peter's sermon, the commentary I'm using for Mark 14, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to preach those two points as they're revealed in this text. No, I think it's really, really good. I, I, again, I keep going back to what you said about Luke 24 and this, this, and even just your, your language of like what's bubbling up, you know, you know, as you, as you're reading through this, and the the text and Mark, and then you're reading through some commentaries. Um, 
you, you know, when you found something, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's, that's the, that's the piece that if I could like teach preachers, um, it's like, I, I always will, will often t- teach people about how Johnny Cash went to, uh, Memphis to get a, a deal, a record deal. Cause everyone was getting record deals and, and he was just a three piece gospel singer, stand up bass, little drum. He's on guitar. He's singing gospel. And the guy listening to it starts to check out. And then Johnny, because his dad was an alcoholic, knows how to read a room. And he's like, you don't like it. And the guy just says, I don't believe that you believe what you're singing, singing me something that matters. And so he, he sings his first like original song in this moment. And the guy about some tragedy in his life. And, and it's at that moment, the guy leans in and goes, I'll sign that. And, and part of that, that art that you're talking, that mystery is learning to find that where that spirit's leading, that, 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 that spirit energy, that soul of the, you know, and it's like all of a sudden you, you like find it at when you're looking at Peter's commentary and you're like, Oh, th- this will preach. This dog will hunt, you know, talk about Literally. that. Yeah. Well, I'm <clears throat> the, I think the mistake I'm a big believer, Steve, as I know you are, in like in in the discipline of art and the diligence of art, right? Mm. That you you work hard on these things and that's how you don't sit around and wait, wait for inspiration. You know what I mean? You read your freaking commentaries. <laughs> right? And you just you dig and you work hard. And you know that funny line about like the harder you work, more the more gifted people think you are, right? That that you, you pound it and you work it. And as you're doing that, you come across these nuggets, yes. right? And that you're like, oh, this is... And, and, and allow your heart to be captured by them and then celebrate, like, you know, like there'll be 500 sermons preached on Jesus' trial and a bunch of them will be, you know, better than mine in a thousand different ways. But Jesus has called me on this Sunday to talk about it. And so what's the thing that he puts on my heart that I'm just like taken with and excited by and, and sort of like uh, enchanted by, you know? Um, and as there are five nuggets and you could pick one of them, well, pick the one that you're enchanted by. Like yes. pick the one that you believe. Like it, it's, it's back to Johnny Cash, right? Don't, 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 sing, don't sing the music you weren't, you weren't designed to sing. Yes. And when you find that nugget, yeah, run with it. And I was just so, it's so beautiful to me on this text that you have this trial where Jesus faces such injustice and such abuse and um, through it all is like the hand of God orchestrating this to make sure that Jesus ends up on the cross. And I was so taken by like the the genius of our God and the love of the father and the willingness of the son and the kind of spirits orchestration and all of that to make sure that though, though these guys were evil and though Satan thought he was winning, they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. You wow. know? And so I was just like, man, we need to think about that. We need to talk about that. We need to start thinking about, and you know, then st- things start to bubble up in you about how, about how we're called to rest in the, the deeper love of God, even when things in our lives don't seem to be going the way we, we want them. You know, it's you just, then you start to move toward the kind of more practical. Yeah. And, and that's a, that is an interesting piece because 
you you have this ability to i think make uh phrases like sovereignty you know accessible for people and you know is as you sit in it and you and you kind of live in that have been enchanted by it which I, i love that 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 idea um there's almost like a couple of unique realities. One is you're from Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, you're pastoring in Knoxville. Um, so that, that's it. That's a unique, um, kind of con contextual switch. I would, I would uh, imagine. Um, I've been to both places, but I, I, I also would say too, is like most times when we're kind of studying from commentaries, um, it's easy just to transfer information. And what's amazing is, as wise as N.T. Wright is, and he is, and and other great great commentators and scholars, um, they're probably not living in Knoxville, and and so you you hold this sacred text and these these places that are bubbling up in enchantment, but you also know your people and you are with your people. So it's it's kind of this weird uniqueness of okay, how to then in your uniqueness as someone who's from a different place here in Knoxville, exegeting that culture, exegeting the text and making it practical for them and accessible. Talk about what you've learned as um, someone (laughs) from Scotland transported into the South and how that's actually helped you in both the exegesis of your city, but in making it accessible and practical. I think we we moved to the states and we we've lived in Mississippi then we lived in we lived in the DC area for 13 years so the majority of our time in the states was in DC and then we moved to Knoxville in 2020 and honestly I, I do think being an immigrant helps my preaching because I I don't feel 100% at home in any of these places <laughs> you know wow. and that I don't mean to lament that. I don't, and I don't mean it in a pity way. I more mean it in a, I'm often struck by things in this culture that seem different to me, you know? And so it almost helps me. I think I'm sort of forced to do some of that cultural reflection because it's not the water that I'm used to swimming in. Does that sort of make sense? Right. Totally. um, I think very practically when it comes to like trying to bring, you know, the truth, in a way that will be clear and helpful to your particular people. Um, sort of, sorry to be so like pragmatic about it, but for me, this is Thursday. Okay. So if I've, if I've read, <laughs> I've read on Mon- on Tuesday, right. And I've done some sort of prayerful reflecting and percolating, you know, just the, the chewing on the kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning for me is, is clarity day, right? It's sit down and write out. Yeah. Cause commentaries is we are we are preachers not commentators and we preach and that's a very different discipline right we're aiming for people's hearts to burn within them not just for them to know some stuff they didn't know before right so you got to shift you shift gears into the work of preaching and that's where you start to take the concepts that you've been that you've read about and that you've prayed about and 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 write yourself to clarity on them Right. I, I was taught along the way, and I'm a big believer in the fact that um, your thinking isn't clear until it's written down. Yes. Um, you, and, and your idea isn't clear until you've put it on paper. And you might think it is, 
And you might even be able to stumble along in a give and take conversation and explain it, but until you can put it down on a bit of paper, um, it's not really clear. And so that's what I'll do on a Thursday. I'll take those concepts and think, how do I want to talk about them in a way that's going to be really clear to my people? Forget that the theological framework is so important, sovereignty, responsibility, all that stuff. Okay, but that's not the language we talk in. That's not the language people talk in. So how... How can you take the truth of the scripture and talk to people in a way that will make their hearts burn within them? And it's it's just beating the like clarity, 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 clarity drum. Um, I I'm I'm a little bit of a a maniac about clarity, Steve, and it's probably to an unhealthy degree. Like I just think it's terrible when it's terrible when a preacher is boring, and it's terrible when they're unclear. Right. Like if you don't know what you're heralding, how am I meant to know what you're heralding right now? So, like, I really, we really don't want to be boring. We really don't want to be un- unclear, you know? Um, and so the writing part on Thursday is how I'll kind of take these theological ideas and start to build, you know, the, 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 the preaching language around it. You know, the whole exegesis to exposition thing? That's the work of homiletics, right? Taking the content, but now framing it in a way that will actually speak to people's hearts. Yes. And to me, that's Thursday on paper, writing, writing, writing. Do you have a hard deadline? I know some churches have like bulletins that they have to get in. And if you don't get your clarity day done by 4 p.m., you know, it's like, like, because it has to go to printer. Like, do you, do you have anything that's manufactured time frame for you on Thursday? I have um, at nine o'clock on Friday morning, I host what we call sermon cohort with some of our staff. And the purpose of that cohort is um, I'm taking some of our younger and men, so gifted staff members on our team. And I'm trying to help them uh, learn how to preach and teach. And so what we do in that time is we just walk through my sermon and I can, I, I walk through it, but I give them the kind of commentary on the decisions that I've made. This is why I'm using this introduction. This is why we're going to use this outline. I kind of, you know, pull back the curtain, so to speak, to kind of talk them through it. And on one hand, I say that's for their development, and I hope that it is, but it's also been a really good deadline for me. Like yes. I have to be... I have to be at least, I have to be 90% done by 9 a.m. Friday, or I'm not going to be ready for that, for that meeting. Um, and so that's kind of the artificial deadline. And then, of course, by Friday lunch, slide team and all, all, all that needs to be looped in as well. So um, I will say, though, I would say on Friday morning in that cohort, I'm 90% done. I have a sermon I could preach, right? If it, if that was Sunday, I can do it. Um, but there's normally <laughs> there's there's normally a significant ad between then and Sunday, mm. right? Um, one of my mentors used to say um, the first ninety percent takes ninety percent of the work, and the last ten percent takes another ninety percent of the work. <laughs> In terms of like. That last 10% really matters. And it's that 10% that's the difference between good and great. And it's that 10% that really does make a big difference, you know? And I'm not always able to get there, but I'm always trying to get there. You know, I'm yeah. always trying to think, okay, how do I, you know, 
what's the tweak? What's the story? What's the missing piece? Is there anything I can do here? To, you know, you know, like it, I'm, I am 90% done on a Friday morning, but it, it, it's, it's stirring in my heart till I'm finished breaching it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, for any of you listening, you have to go back and, and listen to these 20 some weeks on Mark. And, and, and here's the, here's the truth. Um, I could do a whole podcast just even on introductions uh, because even as as uh, robust theology and accessible, uh, James brings this to uh, the people in his congregation. You know, he he's actually really really playful, um, and you'll you'll see with some of the introductions that he's done, um, whether it's him talking. Um, you know, uh, he did one to kick off the the year on like. Uh, movie trailers and and so he did this whole thing on 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 movie trailers he, he did one on like um you know uh the different you know texting language like lol and how he like messes with his kids by just adding a whole bunch of letters and and just like but like you can you can feel the joy but it's not like an intro for just intro sake it's 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 playful it's humorous it's like the opening act and then it's like everyone's just like this is going somewhere this is going somewhere it's going to be connected and then you know that one where he did the movie trailers he he was talking um about the glory of of christ and and then he he basically does these five uh glimpses like these five trailers of the glory of christ and it just like it just it just works it just works um the other thing he does really really well and and it's one of the best at um is in that clarity day, the way at which he can, and I'm going to rattle like just because I take copious notes and I love learning from communicators. But on January 15th, he did a teach called Christ's Call. And um, like the three, the three main points of this were um, the game we must not play, the call that we must hear, and the promise he will keep. And he just like built this whole talk around those three points. And once you like, you, you read this from Mark 10, you're like, oh my goodness. It's just, so there, there's, there's the theology part, but the accessibility also comes in the hooks that he creates and gives his people again, that are so clear that the people are walking out going, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is the game we must not play. It just, it, and it, and it works or the, these five kind of glimpses of what glory is, Christ's glory is. And people, people are like, I know in their community are like seeing it. So give him a listen. I'm just telling you, it, he's going to, he's going to stretch you. Um, he's one of those communicators that, you know, more and more people, I feel like, I feel like you, you bring the best parts of Tim Keller on um, you, you bring, um, this real like, um, and, and I feel like if I say next gen, that makes you feel really young. I don't mean it like as young. It's just a heart. I've seen you stop in the middle of your message and almost because there's a bunch of students there and you'll just speak a word to each of the generations. Like you're speaking and calling them out. It's just, um, but there's there's this part of Keller. There's this, this part of like, um, obviously the Scottish accent and just who you are. Um, there's this, there's this, just like this sense of accessibility that you bring. Um, but bro, it's, it's a pastor's heart. And I think that burn, that, that longing for the, the, the people's hearts to burn for Christ and burn for his word, man, I just feel it every time I hear you teach. And it's just, uh, 
it's blessed me, bro. It really has blessed me. So, um, and it's a funny thing that's preaching, isn't it? Cause on one hand, see, when I think about the weight of there's, it's this catch 22, right? Cause on one hand, when I think about the weight, you're like, okay, I'm never going to do this again. Right. I just, in my, in, in my brokenness and my folly and the stupid, stupidness in my own heart, I just, you know, and then the very next second, you're like, but I have to do this again. Like, yeah. you know, there's just, it's, it's in us and we've been called to it. And, you know, it's just an emotionally like draining thing, <laughs> but it's so compelling to me. Like this is, it's worth giving our lives to. Yeah. Learning how to, to talk about Jesus to people in a way that's helpful. I'm, I'm up for giving my life to this. I, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Two, two, two last questions in, in, First one's not not very uh, big, but I'm starting to ask m- my guests this now uh, more because I, you know, I think back of what Paul writes to Timothy in First Timothy four. He just says, "Let everyone see your progress." When he's talking about like be diligent to your gift of preaching, give yourself wholly and fully to it. Hey, what's an area in this kind of like run that you're like, man, I'm I'm trying to get better at in my preaching game, and 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 then the second question is, man, like. What do you what do you do to to keep that soul fresh to to continue to have your character just lead the way? So the big thing I'm working on right now is how I end my sermons. Right, my con- sort of conclusions are um, actually from conversations with you, been kind of thinking about it as like the close, right? And I don't mean in a cheap deal sense. I mean like how do you really land the plane in a way that is impactful? Because I think throughout a lot of my ministry, my sermon, my sermon conclusions reflect the process, which is I get to the end, I'm out of time, and so they sat. <laughs> right? And my conclusion will be like a summary of my points, and let's pray. And it's like hope is not a plan, and prayer is not a conclusion. You know what I mean? Like that's you, you gotta you gotta do better than that. And I've been really trying to work on that to get a land on a, a point that's more of a takeaway for our people and then land the plane in a way that will give them that to take with them as they go rather than just this kind of lame summary of all that's that's gone before and so i'm really working on that and playing with different ways of doing that and enjoying one of the great things we're preaching most weeks is like you get to try stuff you know yes. and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and you know, okay, keep on going, keep trying. So sermon conclusions, and uh, within that, the idea of l- l- giving your people a really clear takeaway as they go. That's the big thing I'm working on. I, I love that line you just said. I've heard you say it before, but I <clears throat> I just think it's amazing. Um, uh, hope is not a plan and prayer is not a conclusion. You know what I mean? Just like, it just really, I mean, I, I think for any of you listening, um, when you think about your conclusion, um, some of us were like, well, I said it, hope, hope they go do it and let's pray. And just realizing, gosh, how we really end, um, man, it just matters. Um, just matters in such a, a deep, deep way. So love, 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 love that line. But let me shift to com- character. Cause, um, again, one of the, the parts I most respect about you is, um, man, just like your earnestness, like, um, your longing, your your uh, your just desire for more of the Spirit, more of the Lord, and more of His knowledge, and and uh, yeah, talk about 
yeah, what, how character formation is shaping you right now? It's been a journey and very much a journey in the specifics of preaching too, right? As you, as you go from like your first few reps, where it's just honestly very hard not to be quite insecure and not to be quite, um, I don't know, stuck in your own head. And, you know, then you start to do it more. And over the time, like how you deal with criticism changes, how you deal with encouragement changes, you know, like the large, it's a journey, man. This like, and, and, and here's, here's the thing that I've been really most recently that I've been struck by is just how grateful I am for this call to preach because it has been the means of character development for me and not just the sort of fruit of it. Yeah. So I don't feel like, man, I'm so super mature and now I get up and I share that with people. Sometimes I feel like, man, I'm like disinterested in the things of the Lord and he's put me in a position where I have to sit down. It happened to me really powerfully on the week that I preached on the transfiguration in Mark. Like I was kind of spiritually flat and I had to sit down and study the transfiguration and God was so kind because yeah. that it just brought my soul alive again, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I've been, I'm really grateful that the Lord calls us to something that's for our own welfare and good. Um, as much as it might bless other people and you hope it does, I really feel like I'm grateful that I, that I get the opportunity, the opportunity to do this. And for me, that, that time with the Lord and that character, you know, formation with the Lord has, has really started to eclipse the sort of preaching event itself. Because honestly, do you know what, Steve, here's the deal. I've had all kinds of feedback on my preaching. <laughs> and I am not as good or as bad as people say, <laughs> right? The truth is much more mediocre. Um, and you kind of learn like, yeah, I, I'm not sure there's a lot, for, for me, there hasn't been a lot of character fruit in post-sermon analysis. You know what I mean? Yep. For me, it's been much more, and especially recently. I, I used to get caught up in that. Though. I did. I used to... the. The highs would make me too high and the lows would make me too low, you know. Um, for me now, it's been much more about just that time, spending that time with Jesus yeah. as you prep and then sharing the overflow of that with your people. But really that that time that he's given us as, as preachers and teachers to immerse ourselves in his word and just seeing that as a privilege, you know, um, meeting with him there and finding that is shaping who I am, shaping the husband I am to my bride, the dad I am to these four kids, you know, um, and and then yes, of course, the pastor I am to this congregation. But it's yeah. it, it plays out in my life, not just the preaching event, you know. Yeah, well, it is. It is such a beautiful piece, and I'm not saying that there aren't other marketplace jobs that can help you become a better better person. But man, week in and week out, when you're teaching you know, 70%, you know, um, and you're having to open up that word that is alive and opening yourself up to it. And, um, and that, and if you can learn to fall in love with the process of sermon prep, like love that more than the actual event of preaching, um, what that will spill over in as a teacher and communicator, because, like you said, back to Luke 24, um, something will be burning to Jeremiah. There will be a fire in your bones that has to come out. 
because you met with the Lord. You saw something that you you can't you can't keep it in. Something that like convicted or something that rebuked, something that corrected, something that taught, something that trained, something that just inspired. And man, um that that for any of you who are just struggling right now with with preaching, I think, you know, James, I think you just reminded us, oh yeah, like I can go become an insurance agent. And that's awesome. Like, no, there's no shade on that. But I'm not going to have the the sermon prep time to work on my heart and my soul the way that my my church and my schedule affords me to in the present. As a, as a real, that is like a, a privilege and a gift as a preacher and communicator. I, I, I'm so bought in and just to agree with the, the point you're making on you have to learn to love this process. Yeah. That, you know, you spend however many hours in prep and the sermon's done in a few minutes. And do you know what happens then? And this is now a ritual I have. Um, I leave our, you know, the final service I preach. I walk into my office. I tear up my notes and I put them in the trash. Now, I have a soft copy, okay? <laughs> this is like a physical, like, discipline that I now have because, like, it's done. And it's gone, and I'm going to spend some time with my family and the Lord and then start climbing that mountain again yeah. Tuesday morning. Yeah. And so it's like you gotta, you got to love the, the, the prep, and you got to love the, like, I don't know, and have that kind of internal feistiness for it, you know? Like that moment, you know those weeks where it's not coming together? Like to have that kind of holy, like challenge accepted, let's freaking go. I'm going to, if this, if this week requires grinding, I'm going to grind, you know, uh, if it requires beating the head against this wall, I'm going to beat the head against this wall. Like we will not quit until this comes together. And I think there's a little, like, um, not to make this like we do it all in our strength, but there, there should be a bit of that holy determination in us, Mm -hmm. right? That we are, we really, oh man, we really want to do a good job with this thing the Lord has called us to. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, hey man, thank you. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your time. And uh, where can people find you? So I am um, gloriously absent from social media. Um, I have a, a Twitter account, James W. Forsyth. That's my handle, but I'm rarely post and I'm rarely on there. And it's part of a kick I'm on just now. Um, so Cedar Springs, uh, Presbyterian Church. That's where I'm the pastor, and all of our social media, uh, Cedar Springs, um, is yeah at CSPC is where you'll find us on on different different platforms. Um, that's where you can find us, and of course, all the sermons are Spotify and iTunes and all, all the places. So you can look at, look me up by my name or by Cedar Springs. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for the time, and you are an absolute absolute gift. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for your ministry. It's so helpful to to have someone who has just um, done the hard yards themselves and and then also been so thoughtful and reflective upon the art of preaching and just the chance I get to learn from you has been so helpful and look forward to continue doing that. So thank you, my friend. Thanks, brother. Well, thanks so much for tuning into the Craft and Character Podcast. And I really hope that you enjoyed this interview and conversation with my friend James. He he's just 
a gift, an absolute gift. Go to cspc.net if you want to listen to more of his messages. They're up there. Um, you can, they've got great uh, video. They got a great room at which they teach in and um, you're, you're going to love his stuff. It's just incredible, incredible. And um, thanks so much for just the support. Um, I'll tell you what, I love what gets to happen here and I love the conversations that get to happen. I love the email exchanges that happen around preaching and some of you have reached out. We've been able to chop on the phone or via email. Um, but just know um, we've got this community via Preaching Today um, membership where people will sign up. They, they got access to, to so many pieces that are going to help you and help them in their um, craft of communication and preaching. And so if you'd love to learn more, you can go to orderptnow.com. Uh, slash cc30 they'll give you 30 percent off just because you're a listener of the craft and character podcast so give it a listen sign up um and if i could ever serve you my email is steve at steve ryan i hope you have a great great week grace and peace and uh we'll see you next time this episode was brought to you in part by the compelled podcast which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.